Sometimes the ERGs get so concentrated on a local level and they only know what's going on locally. The supplier diversity program is global, so it will expand their reach internationally to other regions where we do business and gives them that access. That's my special guest for this week's episode of ERG Power Talk. She is talking about just one of the benefits ERGs get out of partnering with supplier diversity. Some of you may ask, what is supplier diversity and why and how should I partner with them? My guest and I will talk about this at length in this episode. But first, let's take a moment to focus on our program mission and to recognize our sponsors. This is ERG Power Talk, and I'm your host, Joe Santana. The purpose of ERG Power Talk is to provide a forum for the exchange of great ideas and inspiration for ERG leaders, as well as others that are interested in supporting ERGs. No more waiting until the next conference and praying that you have the budget to travel to the conference in order to find great ideas and find stimulation toward action. Just subscribe and listen at your convenience. Before we begin, a quick note of thanks to our supporters and sponsors. Atrium Health, Freighter Health and Wisconsin Medical College, Mass Mutual, Lockheed Martin, Avenod, Daimler Trucks North America, and Sony Pictures Entertainment. Now, let's go straight to the program. This episode is one of many where we will explore opportunities for you to partner with other efforts and groups in your company in order to increase the value of what you give to your members, community, and company. Our focus area for this particular episode is supplier diversity. The term supplier diversity refers to a strategy used by organizations to deliberately seek out and buy from businesses owned by women, minorities, veterans, small enterprises, members of LGBTQ communities, and a host of other products and service providers. This strategy brings value to a business in a number of different ways, including, but not limited to the following. One, the promotion of innovation, which usually comes from these smaller, diverse companies. Two, a variety of channels for goods and services, which is insurance against a single point of supply chain failure. Three, it drives up competition, which keeps prices down and service levels up. These, in turn, can be passed on as benefits to the company's clients. Four, it builds the company's reputation as a good corporate citizen that's interested in supporting economic prosperity across a variety of demographics and markets. And five, in many cases, having these programs is table stakes that you need as an organization if you want to do business with many federal, state, and municipal governments, as well as a host of private businesses that do business with the federal, state, and municipal governments. Companies without a supplier diversity program are literally barred from certain markets. They lack the table stakes needed to gain access to the billions of dollars represented by those off-limit markets. So while many companies don't have mechanisms in place for measuring the revenue brought into a company by their supplier diversity program, they do know that there's a great deal of value in having one. That's why I believe supplier diversity is one of the areas where you want to seek out and create a partnership. In the first half of this episode, we're going to learn more about how supplier diversity initiatives work, their goals, their needs, etc. 
In the second half, we're going to focus in on how you can partner with them and the mutual benefits that can come to both of you out of that partnership. To help us through our journey into the world of supplier diversity, let me first bring in our guest for today. She is the Global Head of Supplier Diversity with Bank of New York Mellon. She's also formally held supplier diversity leadership roles at other equally respected organizations, which include Hilton and American Express. Hello, I'm Gladys Lopez, and I have over 20 years of experience in supplier diversity in the private sector with global Fortune 500 corporations in technology, financial, and hospitality industry. Hi, Gladys. Welcome to the ERG Power Talk podcast. Thank you. So, Gladys, what does life look like in the day of a global supplier diversity manager? Um, a lot of internal and external communications, uh, manning the inbox, a lot of uh, cold calls from suppliers uh, trying to do business with the corporation. Internally, there's a lot of touch points with uh, procurement and sourcing professionals and helping them identify qualified, certified, diverse vendors and small businesses to participate in the day-to-day procurement operations. And that is all the bids, all the RFPs are going out. We are including diverse vendors in those opportunities. So it's a lot of work to find that right fit for the right time for the right requirement. Yeah, that's a lot of activity. And while you're doing all this stuff, you're playing a number of different roles, aren't you? The role of a supplier diversity practitioner can vary depending on the company structure. However, there are a few main roles that I want to point out. First of all, the program practitioner serves as the corporate-wide ambassador and the strategist for supplier diversity. We become the trusted advisor to management about supplier diversity. In other words, we are the subject matter experts. We also handle all the strategic planning, the development and implementation of a program. At the end of the day, we are really a jack of all trades. We go into sales, marketing, advertising, communications, PR, outreach development, managing budgets. So we do an array of things. We, we have our, our, our full plate of, of roles here. So Gladys, how did you first get into this field? I began my career in government as a contract specialist, managing a variety of major contract acquisitions, such as the police cruisers, firearms, and fire engines. It was with government that I began my career in the supplier diversity space, reviewing and monitoring the subcontractors' affirmative action plans for compliance with prevailing standards of the Minority Business Opportunity Commission. And a few years later, I decided to transition to the private sector and began a career in the telecommunications industry, and then followed by the financial industry, and then followed by hospitality and, and, and so forth. So Gladys, what would you consider to be some of the toughest parts of this job? I believe the ability to influence at a very high level and at a very low level in ways to be able to further supplier diversity programs in any corporation you have to have top level support the commitment needs to be there and it needs to trickle down but then you also need from a lower level meaning those that are the worker bees those that are actually negotiating the contracts and have uh, put together their bidders list they have to be inclusive of diverse suppliers so they have to also understand why we're doing supplier diversity and we need 
to influence them. So I would say that the challenge is to influence. Yeah, I see that. And as you've noted before, you're also required to change people's minds in many cases about things, right? The supplier diversity world always comes with um, stereotyping in that we say small and they'll say, well, they're too small. They're like a mom and pop. Or we say minority and they'll say, well, they don't have the capital. They're just not ready for corporate America. So in the, immediately we have a, a barrier there. So we spend a lot of time debunking a lot of those stereotypes and really building the awareness and influencing key stakeholders to help us get supplier diversity across the entire uh, enterprise and, and be supportive of the program. So as a global supplier diversity manager, you're actually doing a bunch of different jobs, aren't you? Exactly. And that's what I said. We, you know, depending on the structure of the company, um, you do end up wearing a lot of hats. I, I'm, I'm the communicator, I'm the advertiser, I'm the sales. Um, you know, I, I manage the budget. So it's, you're, running, you're running in a lot of different directions. So Gladys, in your experience, does the average company give you an army to get all these jobs done? In my career, I would say that I have gone from a staff of 11 to a staff of one, which would be me. It is not unusual for supplier diversity programs to have a very uh, low resource. And that is the reason why you have to be very resourceful and and build a good support mechanism and have a lot of dotted line, a lot of individuals kind of on on loan to help you get uh, your objectives met. So while you guys are generally part of the procurement department, you really are also a part of sales and you're pulled into just about every aspect of their revenue generating work, aren't you? Yes, we are part of sales. We're part of the marketing. We're part of everything. Um, And yes, um, supplier diversity always gets pulled in during RFPs. What do you do as part of the RFP process? We help to craft the right message for the support of supplier diversity within the company. Uh, We do also vet the different target goals that um, they want to give us. So we will give them that. We set those expectations. Yes, we have suppliers here. No, we are not going to be able to subcontract. So we we set those uh, expectations right, right out of the gate because they cannot commit to something that we're not going to be able to deliver. So we are here to give them that information so that they can put the right uh, message in the RFPs. So yeah, that's, um, that's the world of supply diversity. So with all this activity, you're clearly contributing to revenue. You're clearly having an economic impact. But as I understand it, you don't track that, do you? So economic impact is something that we have always... Um, looked at and we do recognize it and we would just hope that there would be a better way to track it. Um, Every company that I have spoken with, my peers um, in the financial sector, in the technology, etc., have had um, not a lot of luck with being able to track and really have those key Uh, metrics that are needed for economic impact. So Gladys, walk me through a transaction and show me how it is that that transaction rolls out that makes it hard for supplier diversity to capture the information they need to be able to show that kind of economic impact. In my case, 
I may get a request to help for um, an RFP that's due tomorrow. And they need the answer of like now. And so I will help them to get, you know, to meet that deadline. And then I'm going back, you know, a couple of days later and say, well, can you give me the contract value? Like, who are we working with? What are we doing? I mean, I just gave you the information, but you didn't give me anything back. And then I don't hear back because they moved on to something else and they're now very busy with something else. And now I can't track what, it, what, what really, what was this contract about? Like how much, you know, and then I can't find um, the, the information that I really need that's more, more of value. And that is, did you get the contract? Was that contract awarded? So I can track it and see, uh, you know, put it in as my, you know, my contribution to this overall um, initiative. So it becomes very complex and, and some companies are a little better at tracking it. Others, you know, still do the same, you know, Excel sheet. There are a lot of software developers out there that are, you know, claiming to be able to help you with your economic impact. But then again, get, gathering the information to build it is, is, you know, you may have the tool, but if you don't have the info to go in there, the data to go in there, you're not going to get much out of the, the output isn't going to be what you, what you expect. So there's uh, still some work to do on this economic impact of supplier diversity. And like I said, there's so much soft benefits in the supplier diversity space um, it, that it's, you know, just um, we, we wish that we had a, a better way to, you know, kind of come up with a, like an actual dollar. So without being able to collect that information, you really can't calculate ROI, right? Supplier diversity is viewed as a utility, right? So we are an expense. We don't really, it's, it's not very easy to put an ROI on the benefit of overall supplier diversity because we are really measured by a lot of um, soft benefits. So it's it's more the branding, it's the, rec the recognition, it's the you know the the public relations. Um, from a metrics perspective, the uh, KPIs, we look at how much we spend with diverse vendors. That's how we are measured. So if it's you know six percent, twenty percent of of the spend with diverse vendors, then that's the the measure of success. You measure it against you know your colleagues, your peers, what are they doing? But you do also realize a lot of cost savings for the company by using these competitive diverse vendors. I'm sure you capture that. Oh yeah, absolutely. So what? So in terms of cost. We do, we do track that piece. We look at um, mainly the cost savings. And, and so we do have an entire uh, team in, in, in every one of my programs that I, I manage, we always have a, a third party within the company, but a third party that, over, that looks at all of our cost saves and, and decides whether they're truly cost saves or cost avoidance. So they do all that vetting. But then what I do is give them uh, or ensure that they have flagged all those diverse vendors that are bringing in that cost saves or that cost avoidance. And then that's another uh, area that I share or that measure of success that I share to our leadership. So I can show them, um, yeah, we're helping on the sales side. Here's all the you know, times I got engaged with sales. So that may be 50 a year. And then this would have been the contract value. I may be missing several in there. But I can't tell you how many were awarded, but I can tell you on the supplier diversity side, 
And the business that we're currently doing with diverse vendors, we saved X amount of money because this it was supplier diversity. So Gladys, on average, what are the cost savings like? What percentage do you usually achieve through these supplier diversity programs? Well, I guess if I if I looked at all of the companies that I work for and all the, the different figures that I've seen in my career trajectory, the, the savings the savings have been, I guess the average would be a 20, 25%. And then and I, and I call it, it depends too because I, you know, it, I would see a lot more uh, personally on the technology side because I, I was with uh, telecom for, for a while and I was doing a lot of very um, um, high tech uh, negotiation. And there was just so much opportunity to really drive saves. And we had so many diverse vendors in the technology space. Um, so there was um, an abundance <laughs> in, in other words, uh, in that particular time. So there was, a lot of competition and great opportunity for, for savings. So I would imagine that's a number that you present when you show your work to senior management, right? Um, well, it's, it, you know, I have, that's been, it's been part of my dashboard uh, whenever I present, you know, my, my uh, supplier diversity performance metrics. Um, it is included as one of my dashboards, but I, I tell you that what I, see a lot more um, focus on is on the spend. It's how much I was spending with diverse vendors. So once they get a hold of that piece, that's where they want to go. That's their go-to every single conversation. And then I say, well, but I also have, you know, the supplier development side. I also have the public relations, the branding, the recognition. I also have the cost saves. I also have this. And, and that's all, all good, but they really more focus on the spend. Why do you think there's such a strong focus on how much you're spending on diverse suppliers? I think that I think it's because it was the very first um, measure of success that was thrown out out there by um, the those that started um, to put guidelines in place. So meaning. You know, well, first of all, government started this whole program, right? Uh, the Small Business Administration, and and then they just kind of left it all for everyone to figure it out. So they didn't really put any recommendations, no guidelines, no nothing. But what they were throwing out there was you have to do spend with diverse vendors, and then NMSDC and WeBank, uh, they you know kind of came after us, advocacy organizations. That was the very first push was do supplier diversity and spend money with diverse vendors. So I think that that kind of programmed everyone to think that is the only way you measure success for supplier diversity. And then a lot of us got into the, well, there's a lot of other ways you can look at this. Yep, got it. So before we go on, for those of us uh, listening who are not familiar with the acronyms NMSDC or WeBank, W-B-E-N-C. N-M-S-D-C stands for National Minority Supplier Development Council. And WeBank is the Women's Business Enterprise National Council. And these are organizations that provide certification and a host of other support to minority and women-owned companies. So the bottom line, Gladys, is that 
whether or not people are super interested in these cost savings or not, which are substantial, and whether or not they can measure revenue, the bottom line is that these programs do bring a significant amount of positive impact to the organizations that have them, correct? Absolutely. So they really do have to have a, a program in place if they, ha- if they want to do business with government. But then it also means you've got business with government and then how do you maintain it? Because right? there's somebody else that could come back to the government and say, but we're better at supply diversity. We give you everything being equal, we are better at supply diversity than the other guy. So it is, it is something that you actively have to know um, and have available to, to be able to, con, con, to stay competitive and, and maintain that business or you will lose it next time they're rebid. Yeah, and it's not only government business, but also there are a lot of private businesses these days that also require a supplier diversity program because they also need to show that their suppliers have a supplier diversity program when they try to do business with the federal government, the state, municipal, or other entities out there. But in addition to that, you and I have also talked about this, uh, and there are other things also besides being able to secure and competitively stay in the game with these businesses that require supplier diversity that also make having a supplier diversity program important to a business. Can you share some of those? I, I think that there are a lot more negatives if you don't have a supplier diversity program because you also have the the um, the community looking at those corporations who embrace um, diversity, who do business with diverse vendors and those who are not, right? And we know that a lot of the minority small business community, they are still pretty loyal. They stay with those companies that want to do business with them. And so corporations that don't show that they're willing to do business with those segments, uh, those uh, minority small business community, business communities, they are not going to get that um, market share. So what did we get out of this first half of this episode? Here's my take. One, supplier diversity leadership is a pretty busy and multifaceted role that has constraints when it comes to resources and therefore can certainly use the help of partners. Two, the supplier diversity effort works across an array of company departments from its base inside the supply chain procurement office to the outside world across marketing, sales, and other areas. Furthermore, it has international reach. Three, supplier diversity leaders need to influence a lot of people. They need help getting their messaging out to people at the top, middle, and bottom of the organization, as well as outside the organization. Four, despite the fact that it's contributions to revenue are not specifically measured, it's an important area that's understood to be important and has the attention of senior leadership. The bottom line is that this is a high visibility effort that needs help and is often willing to invest in training you and giving you visibility in exchange for your support. Coming up, we will turn our attention to specifically what benefits come to you and your community and your members and how you go about securing this partnership. 
But before that, let's pause again for a quick station identification and the recognition of our sponsors. I'll see you at the other side. This is ERG Power Talk, and I'm your host, Joe Santana. The purpose of ERG Power Talk is to provide a forum for the exchange of great ideas and inspiration for ERG leaders, as well as others that are interested in supporting ERGs. No more waiting until the next conference and praying that you have the budget to travel to the conference in order to find great ideas and find stimulation toward action. Just subscribe and listen at your convenience. Before we begin, a quick note of thanks to our supporters and sponsors. Atrium Health, Freighter Health and Wisconsin Medical College, Mass Mutual, Lockheed Martin, Avenod, Daimler Trucks North America, and Sony Pictures Entertainment. Now, let's go straight to the program. And we're back. So, Gladys, so far we've been talking about the supplier diversity mission, the initiative, its role, its operations, and so forth. Let's turn our attention now to your partnership with ERGs. What are some of the ways that you partner with ERGs? So, there are many ways to leverage the ERGs. I will share one uh, lever that has been uh, successful throughout my career as a supplier diversity practitioner. First, um, let me share that there are several best practices recommended to take supplier diversity programs to the best in class. One of those best practices is to establish a supplier diversity advisory council. This is the area that I spend a lot of time and I really focus when I, when I get into a new program or a new corporation. I look around and I look around for ERG chairs and executive sponsors slash champions and then I enlist them to join the advisory council. The council provides a conduit for recommendations and to advise on how to increase the maximize opportunities for supplier diversity. And during these council meetings, I, um, I try to promote uh, program awareness and training across all the company levels. I also review program partnerships and the outreach calendar and provide supplier development and recognition opportunities and it's uh, just an opportunity to dialogue, to share information. But having a representative from the ERGs sitting in those council meetings gives me that additional internal exposure for the program. It also assists in the, edu- in the educational uh, opportunities within the corporation regarding the supplier program. Got it. And what are some of the benefits to them as well as to you of having them sit in this advisory board capacity? So it, it really opens an entire world for them. They have exposure to all the operations of the supply chain. And then the ERG chairs or the executive sponsors that take the role of the advisory council members turn out to be very strong and dedicated champions for supplier diversity. They become our spokesperson for the program and they take our information to the rest of the ERGs and to the lines of business. So they in turn become an extension of the program and very strong champions for the program. I also can tap into the community partnering that the ERGs already have in place or recommend new community partnership. In other words, to support the supplier diversity outreach. Got it. So Gladys, how open do you think supplier diversity managers are to having ERG leaders approach them about forming partnerships? 
Yeah, so I, I've um, initially said that a lot of these supplier diversity programs um, tend to have very, very minimal resources. So I think that um, one good thing about the ERGs and then partnering with the ERGs is that we, have, we could have access to additional resources for support. This could be throughout the year. So there's, there's no, no shortage, right? So you could always reach out to an ERG and, and get some additional help. It creates an extension of the supplier diversity program. And the ERG members become our eyes and our ears within their respective lines of business. So if there's something going on within their lines of business, they are the very first ones to flag it to, to us in supplier diversity and say, do you know that we are outsourcing? Did you hear that we are thinking about, you know, the strategy that may move things from here to there? And that is a big help to the supplier diversity world. So we do encourage that um, we do have individuals from the ERGs to really come on board and be part of the supplier diversity program um, as advocates. We also have an opportunity for additional feedback regarding community interest and needs. Because as we are putting, uh, and I mentioned this earlier, as we're putting together our uh, outreach calendar, all the activities that we'll be doing um, throughout the year, it's important to also be connected with overall what the company supports or what their objectives are. So we look for that synergy. And sometimes we may be duplicating efforts. Sometimes they are members of the same organization, which is looking at from different lenses, right? I'm looking at from the supplier contract, and they may be looking at from a DNI. But we need to understand, you know, how we can come in as one company, even though we have different, you know, reasons for being there. We need to be leveraging that those opportunities, and then. Finally, I think they could help us to position the supplier diversity program with other corporate programs. So we could be learning a lot from what these ERG members are hearing from other corporations. That's a lot of good benefits for the supplier diversity organization, Gladys. What are some of the benefits on the other side of the ledger for the ERG leaders and for their members to create these partnerships? So I think ERGs can offer one other way to remain active in the networks and for its members to continue to build relationships. You know, the ERGs are opening a lot of other doors and just getting a relationship directly with the supplier diversity gives them that other world, another view to the company. So I think it'll keep them more active or more engaged by just learning that other side of the business. It is also an opportunity to engage in a corporate-wide supplier function, which is global. So it, it will expand their, their reach um, internationally to other regions where we do business. Sometimes the ERGs get so concentrated on a local level, and they only know what's going on locally, but they don't necessarily see the other side of the other world. The supplier, the supplier diversity program in most of them that I've already launched globally gives them that access. It also gives them the opportunity to highlight their talents and their interests to the corporation as a whole because if they come in to join our advisory council, for example, that'll give them a lot of exposure to the rest of the corporation. And so they get that exposure. Yeah, that clearly is a lot of value to the members of the ERG. So Gladys, 
What does your supplier diversity organization do to prepare them to be more effective partners? So I think one area is to educate the ERGs on the various suppliers that we're already doing business with and then help them to understand supplier diversity and look outside of the company for those diverse suppliers that that could be introduced to the supply chain. So one way that they help you is by helping you to identify other minority women-owned small supplier businesses that you can then put into your supplier diversity program. What about on the other side of the ledger in terms of finding you opportunities to utilize these suppliers in order to meet some company need? Once these ERG members understand the program and understand who are the suppliers. Next time that they are working on a project, they will say, wait a minute, we're, we're going to look for a consultant in this space. And I know a diverse vendor that we can work with instead of the usual. So they start funneling more of that spend to the diverse vendors. That's all good. And I would imagine that gives them some stuff that they can also highlight and showcase when they have their meetings. When they have the ERG events, when they have some panels, when they are having put, putting together workshops, they can flag how they supported these initiatives. So it's a way of, of having a, a really good success story and a win-win for, for the ERGs and supplier diversity. Yeah, that is a win-win. So where do you see these relationships heading? Where do you see supplier diversity going? And do you see a role for ERGs to continue partnering with supplier diversity? as you evolve? So I see the future um, of the future of supplier diversity and how ERG continue to partner with supplier diversity. I see it as very critical, especially during the, this crisis, this economic crisis. So this is how I, I see that ERGs are really gonna help us. As we are embarking on these uncharted waters due to this uh, COVID-19 economic crisis, we need more partnerships today than ever before. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you were already resource constrained, and I would imagine you're going to become even more resource constrained. What about in facing some of the changes that are coming into the economy as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic? Can ERGs help you with that as well? everything is now becoming more virtual, right? So we need the right platforms. We need the right um, infrastructure build. I, who else to help us than our own uh, ERGs who are very in the trenches because they know this stuff, right? These groups can help increase the awareness and the knowledge about social media, the digital world, and the innovations that will become relevant in this new norm. What about in helping you to find minority diverse suppliers to partner with that can help you in some of those areas? So most corporations have um, a millennial or a woman in technology ERG. This is a great opportunity to tap into these groups to help identify minority women in small businesses, primarily in the technology space. So you, you already have an arsenal to help you identify new diverse vendors, small businesses for this space that is going to become key for us to do business. So ERGs can become our information center. 
that can, that can disseminate information to the local community about what we're doing. Um, they can be the educators, they can be the thought leaders about supplier diversity, both internally and externally. And they can be and become internal advocates for the program. Some of these ERGs also have a community focus. And I would imagine that right now, a lot of these small diverse vendors are feeling the pressure and the impact of the crunch brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic. In general, um, small and medium-sized diverse businesses have been impacted, primarily due to cash flow issues. And program managers uh, across a lot of the major corporations are looking to see how, you know, how they're going to help uh, suppliers. And, and most of the, the help are that's being offered today is accelerated payments of invoices and of course looking for ways to increase the procurement spend with the suppliers. I would imagine that's not easy to do. It's not easy to do because all companies are also being very cautious with the expenditures these days. So Gladys, how can ERGs help with these challenges? So I think that ERGs can help by communicating to suppliers that they need to remain flexible and to adapt to the declining customer needs and requirements. And then they need to um, adapt their ramp up, right? And then have that ability to respond first. And this is going to be the new difference maker, I guess. And, and I think ERGs can really do a, a, a great service to the program by helping us to do more business with those existing suppliers in our supply chain. So the advice that these ERGs are conveying to the suppliers, the diverse suppliers, small suppliers in their community is you've got to be ready to be lean because there's not going to be as much business. And you also have to be ready to respond very quickly when there is business out there. What are some other ways that ERGs are leveraging their relationship with supplier diversity to help the small diverse vendors in their community? There are so many ERG members today that are coming to me directly. They now know the program, they've been engaged with the program, and they're asking me for information on how to help someone that they know to either uh, start their business or downsize or take their business to the next level or even how to survive during this crisis. So I think this is really one of the key benefits that I am seeing right now, we can help our ERGs. So Gladys, it sounds like you very proactively seek out relationships with the ERGs. Every time you know, I'm getting into the new company, I'm researching, okay, who are, who, who are the chairs? Who are the executive sponsors for you know, this, this Hispanic or for the Asian or for the millennial? And so that's how I, I start kind of figuring out my, my partnership with them. And do you also encourage ERG leaders and their executive sponsors to also seek out relationships with the supplier diversity effort manager? Yeah, I would, I would always encourage the ERG, like the chairs or the sponsors, executive sponsors, to have um, some dialogue with the supplier diversity uh, program manager for their corporation. And during that discussion, I always say, when, when I, and by personally, when I'm having those conversations, I always look for, so what are the areas that we can collaborate? And then 
from there, let's figure out a plan and include some goals and align those goals to, and make those goals be the, you know, follow the five smart criteria, right? Let's make them specific, let's make them measurable, etc. That's a good start and having maybe one goal or two goals to kind of kick it off. And the approach for me would be very simple. It would be more of an of a collaborative partnership approach with the mission of solving a company problem or a pain point and then furthering our respective initiatives. That's great advice. So Gladys, are you open to having more dialogue with people who are listening to this podcast? And if so, how can they reach you? Um, absolutely. Um, I'm open to having um, more dialogue on the subject, and I can be reached at my uh, email address, gladzlop at gmail.com. Gladys, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Okay, so here's what I got out of the second half of our discussion with Gladys. Your head of supplier diversity will greet your offer of partnership with open arms. And there's plenty of benefits you both get out of this relationship to ensure that it will survive long term. Here are some of the specific benefits for you and your ERG. One, you will gain a great deal of visibility with senior management as a partner in a high visibility corporate effort. Two, You'll be able to bring the innovation and cost savings that are offered by suppliers in the Supplier Diversity Program to projects that you're working on in your area while helping the company improve its attractiveness to a larger pool of client prospects. Three, you will learn about a major component of any organization's success, its supply chain process, and the role that women, minority-owned, and other businesses and key suppliers play in that process. Four, you'll be able to support the businesses of any of your communities of interest by either A, helping them become a supplier for your organization, and or B, sharing your newfound expertise with them on how to become certified so that they can participate in a corporate supplier diversity program and sell to large companies like yours. Five, you'll be able to provide your members with another way to drive value to themselves, the company, and their communities of interest. And finally, six, for those of you that work in large, global, or multinational organizations, you will have an opportunity to form relationships beyond your immediate campus and perhaps leverage those to take your ERG global. We could go on, but I think that this gives you a pretty good picture of all the benefits you can secure. So if your company is just starting a supplier diversity program, I recommend you reach out and try to connect with the people starting the effort. If you already have a supplier diversity program running, find out who runs it and schedule a meeting. Either way, when you meet, highlight all the benefits you can bring to them that were outlined by Gladys. As Napoleon Hill, the author of Think and Grow Rich, once pointed out, it is literally true that you can succeed best and quickest by helping others to succeed. Helping supplier diversity succeed in your company is certainly one important way that you as an ERG leader can quickly find success for yourself and for your group. Thank you for tuning in to ERG Power Talk. 
If you enjoyed and got value out of this program, please like us and leave a favorable review at your podcast provider's site. Also, invite others to listen to the show. By the way, contact me if you're looking for an ERG symposium keynote or a leader for your strategy workshop, new chair onboarding, and or ERG bootcamp. I can run these for you either in person or in a virtual setting. Also, for more great ideas and tips for your ERGs, get my book, Supercharger ERGs, 18 Tips to Power Up Your ERG Strategy on Amazon.com. I'm Joe Santana, and thanks again for tuning in.